All right, well, welcome to week five of our Salt and Light series. But before we jump into that, I want to point ahead to next week. Uh, we're going to be starting a new series, walking through the book of Ruth, focusing on the power of kindness and compassion and love and how we can join with God in his kindness and compassion and love to make a difference in the world. I hope you come back to the, uh, for that next week as we walk through that throughout November, leading us right into uh, the Christmas season. We're going to uh, find together how the book of Ruth is the perfect setup uh, for the birth of Christ and what God has done for us. But today we're continuing in our series called Salt and Light. And we've been reflecting on how the call of Jesus for all of those of us who are pursuing Jesus together, he calls us to bring flavor to the world, to preserve his goodness, and to point a light on his truth and his love in the world. And what we want to encourage each other to do is to stand out and make a difference. And so one of the things that we've done each week is we've encouraged you uh, with what we're calling the Love Your Neighbor Challenge. Now, if you haven't picked up one of our Love Your Neighbor t-shirts, you can still do that today. It's our last day to do that. Right out to my right, your left at the coffee area, you can get one for $5. You still can grab a yard sign because we want to encourage your neighbors to love your neighbor as well. But we also have a weekly challenge. And our weekly challenge for this week is we want you to prepare ahead of time, maybe leave the house a little bit early so that you're not in a hurry and to give an act of kindness while you're in traffic. Now, that might be the hardest challenge of all for some of us. You know, it is, it is time. The scripture says you perhaps are here for such a time as this. Maybe this is the time for all of those of us with that get well sticker on our car to finally represent. And so we're going to find ways not to cause an accident, but be kind out in traffic this week. For the, in the name of Jesus. They might not know why you did it, but you do, and God does, and he's looking down. But today we're going to talk about that call upon us to stand out and look different as followers of Jesus. Now, I think sometimes because of the fear that we face and the challenge that it might present for us to stand out in the name of Jesus. Some of us kind of shy away. We're kind of like that Where's Waldo character, you know, the, the children's book where you try to find this Waldo guy, but he's hidden in the picture. He just kind of blends into the scenery and it's hard to find him. I wonder if some of us as followers of Jesus are kind of like Where's Waldo? And people can't find us. We just kind of blend in with the rest of the world. We kind of blend in with the rest of culture. And we're unwilling to look different and stand out in the name of Jesus. We wonder because of fear and because of the hard uh, call that it is to follow Jesus, what is this going to mean for me? And so we ask ourselves like, questions like, well, if I stand out for Jesus, what are people going to say about me? What if they say nasty things? What if they, they spread rumors? What if they walk away from me? We, we ask things like, well, what if this makes things hard for me in life? I mean, what if this actually cost me something in a relationship or financially or, or my time or my energy? What if this cost me something to follow Jesus? Or a lot of us, maybe the question we're asking is, well, what if I mess this up? I mean, what if I try to step out there and I try to represent Jesus and I fall on my face and I mess it all up? And we kind of become victims to this fear. 
And we kind of become victims to the, the challenge that it, it calls us to follow Jesus. But here's what I want you to understand is this important truth is that when we follow Jesus, we are not victims, but we live in victory. We're not victims to the what if, or what if this happens, or maybe that, or I'm going to mess it up, or this might. No, we live in the victory of Christ. That the one who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, and we live in his victory together. That we might know, you know, all, we not, might not know all that happens, but we know the end of the story, and that's that Jesus wins, Right? that the, empty, the tomb was empty, that these two young ladies that got baptized here today, they did so and they said, I wanna follow Jesus because I know that Jesus wins and when I'm following Jesus, I win too. And we live in his victory. And so as followers of Jesus, we don't focus on the problems or the cost or the struggles. That we know that they're coming, but instead we focus on what we can do in the name of Jesus. That yeah, we know that problems are coming, but when the problems come, when the, the hardship comes, when the heartache comes, we don't give up, we don't compromise, but we keep taking steps forward following him and what he's called us to do in love, in obedience, in faith, in worship. And when problems come, and, and when difficulties come, we don't just focus on the symptoms, but we focus on solutions of how do I bring God's love and God's truth into the world and into the lives of people around me. And this is the call of Jesus on us. And we ultimately have a choice to make. And that choice is where will I put my focus and in whom will I trust? I and mean, this is the foundational question that Jesus asked of his early disciples and he asked of us. Who will you focus on? Who will you trust? I want you to see one of the important places where Jesus asked this question of his disciples. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. And he takes his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he's going to ask them this very question. Where's your focus? Who do you trust? Let's take a look together. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So Jesus is walking with his disciples. He's in the third year of his ministry. And the other gospels tell us that by this point in those three years that Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem. That Jesus is going to travel to Jerusalem where he knows he's going to be arrested. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be crucified. 
But before he does that, he brings the disciples to Caesarea Philippi to ask him this important question. So I want you to take a look at a map. So he's down here at the Sea of Galilee. Now, I know you can't see it, but Jerusalem is to the south. But instead of going south to Jerusalem, where he knows he ultimately is going to be headed, he turns the opposite direction and he goes north quite a distance to Caesarea Philippi, just so that he can ask him this question, who do people say I am? And really, even more importantly, the question that he really wanted to get to, he asked the disciples, who do you say I am? Now, why Caesarea Philippi? I want you to see a, a picture, a rendering of Caesarea Philippi. You can see three sections on the picture, working from uh, the left to the right. On the far left, that's the temple to the Roman emperor Caesar. The saying in the early first century, when they were talking about the Roman emperor, was Caesar is Lord. And it wasn't just a saying, that was something they quite literally meant. And so there was a temple uh, built to Caesar, and this was not the only one, there were multiple, where you went and you literally were worshiping the Roman emperor. Working to the right was the temple to the Greek god Pan. Pan was the one that those in that culture believed was the creator of all things. He brought nature and creation into being. And then to the right of that was a courtyard for uh, dancing and celebration and worshiping uh, Hermes, one of the, the messenger gods of Pan. Now what's significant about this is what they represent. The call of the politic and the call of culture. I've got a couple other pictures here I want you to see. Uh, we've got kind of an overall picture. This is modern day, the ruins of Caesarea Philippi. Uh, you can see a cave there. And let's look at a picture, a close-up picture of that cave. Now, back behind, it's hard to see here, but down back to the right, it goes down and it drops off. There's a cavern there that drops down into a river, a little creek that runs out, that, and you can see it as you're standing there in the city. And what was commonplace is that as people came to worship the God Pan, they would bring a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, sometimes animal, sometimes human. And they would throw that sacrifice into the cave, down into the cavern. And if the river ran red, then the God accepted that sacrifice. And if not, they had to do it again. Now, we, we see that and we're appalled and we're devastated, but this was part of the world that the people lived in. And so Jesus brought the people here, uh, his disciples here, to ask them that question, who do the people say that I am? Who do you say I am? Because he wanted to ask them in the presence of the political center of worship and the cultural center of worship. In other words, what Jesus was asking them and what Jesus is asking us today is who are you going to choose to focus on? Who are you going to choose to trust? Will it be the political system? Will it be the culture that you live in? Or will it be me? I think this is a question that we really have to wrestle with. Because the way that you answer that question of who do you say Jesus is, is going to drive everything in your life. 
Who you believe to Jesus to be is the single most important question that you will ever ask yourself. Because where we put our faith in life is where we will bow down. Will I put my faith in the politic? Will I put my faith in culture? Or do I believe that Jesus really is who he said he is? And don't be mistaken that even when we put our faith in Jesus, that every day there's a battle between faith and fear. And fear is pulling on us and calling out to us. It would put us in that position of victim and that victimhood would drive the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves, our decisions, our attitudes, our relationships. And Jesus is calling us not to be living by fear, but to live by faith. And so my prayer is that I invite you into today is, Lord, do not let me bow down to fear. Specifically, God, don't let me bow down to political fear. Don't be afraid or anxious about who's serving in office. That yes, we are to be engaged and we are to be wise and we are to be involved because it makes a difference, but we don't live in fear. Because we know that God uses every leader, whether they want to be a part of it or not, God is using every leader to bring about his purposes. And so we engage with wisdom, but we engage knowing who's ultimately in control. Not living by fear or worry or anxiety, but letting my faith in Jesus drive me. And, and this is the key for us, is that I don't let my faith in the politics drive my engagement with Jesus. I let my faith in Jesus drive my involvement in politics. So God, don't let me bow down to political fear, but also just as important, God, don't let me bow down to cultural fear. God, don't let me give in just because the world says that these are the things that I should pursue or these are the things that I should value. God, don't let me cave just because I'm afraid that I miss out on something. We need to be asking ourselves the question daily, God, how much of fear of missing out is driving my life? God, am I so afraid that the culture has something that is better than God that I'm gonna compromise and walk away on the obedience and the call of Jesus or, and follow the culture? Or am I gonna trust that what God has for me is the absolute best? I don't wanna be driven by that fear of missing out and I just wanna have discernment and wisdom. It doesn't mean that I walk away from everything. It just means, God, I wanna follow you in all things. And, and here's a tip for all of us. See, not all things that have a label church on them are good. And not all things that have the label secular on them are bad. What I need is a discernment and a wisdom from God to be living in culture, but not driven by it. That I can see the truth in all things. And so God, give me wisdom, but ultimately God, please give me a desire that is greater for you than for anything else. Because I want to follow you step by step by step, whatever the call, whatever the challenge, because I know that the reward is coming. And here's the key, is to trust Jesus and follow him for who he said he is, what he said he was going to do, and who he calls us to be. Not who on what we want it to look like, but what does Jesus say it should be? 
This was the struggle for the early disciples as well. Look at verses 21 through 23. Just after they make this profession of faith. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, we know the end of the story. We, we can grasp this. But think about those early disciples who wanted to be king. And here Jesus says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And so what happens? Peter, verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. A lot like me and maybe a lot like you, Peter wanted to follow Jesus, but he wanted to do it with his own expectations. See, Peter didn't have a problem of faith. He trusted Jesus. He believed in him. He gave up everything to follow him. His problem was not a problem of faith. His problem was a problem of perspective. He could not see the whole of God's plan. He could not see all that Jesus was about to do. And so when his expectations were confronted by the plans of Jesus, he got upset, he got disappointed, and he pushed back on, on Jesus. And it's the very same thing that we do. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to save me. I want to get to heaven. But wait a minute, Jesus, I don't want you to do it that way. I don't want you to call me to step out and be uncomfortable. God, I don't want you to call me to, to have to give up something. I don't want to be challenged, Jesus. This wasn't my expectation. And it may be that we don't have a problem of faith, but we have a problem of perspective. And maybe when those times of disappointment and those times of struggle, what we really need to do is step back and say, God, am I disappointed because of my own sin and my own life? Am I disappointed because of the brokenness of the world around me? Or am I disappointed because I just don't see the whole picture of what you're doing? Because if you're anything like me, when I come to Jesus, I want to follow him, but I want him to do things the way that I want it to happen. And what do I want? I most, almost always, I want uh, pleasure. I want comfort. I want to avoid discomfort. I want to avoid pain. And I want what I want immediately. But this is not the call that Jesus had on us. He didn't say, come and follow me and you'll have everything that you ever wanted and it's gonna be a, a beautiful ride and you're gonna have rainbows and unicorns and big cars and fancy, big houses and fancy cars. That's not what Jesus called us to. He said, I'm gonna give my life and all who will follow me will be willing to give up theirs as well. And so I gotta ask myself this question, what is it that's shaping my life? Who is shaping who? Is God shaping me or am I trying to shape God? What's driving my expectations? Is it my desire of God or the revelation of God? In other words, is it what I want God to do for me? Or is it what God has told me about who he is and what he does? We need to be having our expectations of God shaped by his own revelation of what he's told us about who he is and what he does, that we be shaped by God's word, that we be living in scripture, that we be reading it and praying over it so that it would live in us. 
We need to be shaped by what God has done in our lives. We could all talk all day about the miracles and the, the moves of God that we've seen. And we need to be shaped by the Holy Spirit as we join our lives together. That we don't do this alone. We're not meant to read scripture alone. We're not meant to worship alone. We're not to, to discern God's ways alone. That we are to do this as the body of Christ. Speaking into one another. Holding one another accountable. At times even challenging one another. That we have a clear expectation of who God is and what God does. And that we're willing to follow him based on what God says. Not based on what I say. And so as a people who follow Jesus, listen, we don't let our disappointments or our struggles or the challenges or unmet expectations stop us. When life gets hard, we persevere. When, when pain happens, we keep moving forward on the next best thing that God's called us to do, being faithful to what we already know. And we're not surprised by difficulty and challenges and persecution that might come, but we expect it. And when it comes, we lean into Jesus and we follow the way that he gave us, knowing that Jesus gave his life because he saw victory. He did not have his life taken from him. He gave it freely and willingly because he saw victory coming. And we do the same thing. We follow Jesus, not as victims of all the junk that could happen in this world. Life is gonna be hard because we're still living in a broken world. And we hurt ourselves and we hurt our other people with, with broken and bad decisions. And there's consequences to that. Scripture says you reap what you sow. And there's going to be difficulty, but we persevere, we press on, we keep moving forward, we keep trusting, knowing that victory is coming. That the tomb was empty, that, that Jesus went to Jerusalem knowing that he would be arrested and beaten and tortured and mocked and put up on a cross to die a criminal's death. And he did it because he knew that Sunday was coming, that the tomb would be empty, that he would have resurrected life and that he would be the first fruits of many that you and I would be worshiping God together because of what Jesus has done. And that Jesus would receive all of the glory and honor and praise. And we lean into that victory. And we're willing to be salt and light. To bring flavor and to preserve goodness and to point the light on God's truth and love. Which means we can't be like that where's Waldo. If Jesus was willing to give his life as we follow him, we've got to be willing to live our life for him and look different than the world around us. I think one of the thing, things that that means is that we've got to be willing to not panic when things get hard. That we are a people of hope. That is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. We always have hope. And so we don't focus on symptoms, we focus on solutions and we point people toward the life that Jesus gives. Knowing that if it's still bad, then God's not done. Even if it happens on the other side of heaven, God is bringing victory. It may mean for us that we are willing to not compromise even when the world says things are okay. 
that the world would say, you can do this, you can do that. And, and, you know, truth is relative. You do you, right? And we're saying, no, I'm not going to compromise and and participate in that and consume that, even if the world says that's okay. Even if it means I'm going to miss out. Even if it means I have to walk away from things. Even if it means that I'm going to be set apart from other people and when other people reject me and other people say things about me that I will lean into what Jesus says about me that I am his son you are his daughter I am redeemed by the king and one day I'm going to look at his face and he's going to say well done my good and faithful servant come in and be with me and it might mean that we're willing to not participate and things, even when it means I will miss out. That when I believe it isn't God's best, that it isn't what God's called me to, to do or to be or to participate in, that I'll walk away. And I know that's hard. Perhaps the hardest thing in all of life is that missing out. And you hear everybody talking about that TV show or that event or that party or, or whatever it might be. And I'm willing to miss out because I want what God has for me. Scripture says that we focus our minds on what is good and right and pure and lovely and true and admirable and worthy of praise. I want to fill my heart and mind with those good things of God. It means that I will act with integrity, even if it means that it will cost me. That I may not get that raise or that promotion or be a part of that group or that team or whatever, but I'm going to live my life in step with Jesus because what he has for me is greater than whatever that temporary reward might be. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on him. And I can follow Jesus and I can walk with him and I can trust him because in him, He wins, and when I'm with Him, I win. And that what Jesus has for me is guaranteed when I surrender to Him, and it is always what is best. And it's eternal life coming to me. And we can follow Him. And so here's here's my challenge for us today. A takeaway for us. If you'll stand, in just a moment, these altar areas are gonna be open. You can pray in your seat. You can come and pray at one of these altar areas. You can wave one of our pastors over to pray with you if you like that. But here's the the takeaway for us today I want you to wrestle with. Maybe you're walking through a very difficult time. Physically or emotionally or relationally or spiritually or financially. You're going through some very difficult things. Pain, heartache, and challenge. Do not give in and do not give up. What is your next right step? Based in faith that in Christ we have victory and I don't have to be a victim to what I'm living in right now. So I will keep taking the next right step. Maybe as we reflect this morning, you realize you've been more driven by fear than faith. And you've bowed down to the political world or the cultural world because of that fear. My encouragement for you is to just give Jesus a try. Not the church, not a Bible study, not a mission trip. Give Jesus a try. And when you give him a try, you cannot give part of him a try. The most wild and crazy and ludicrous thing 
is to believe that Jesus is the son of God and not go all in with him. You've got to surrender and give it and see what, what he does in your life. Give it a year. Give it a year of following Jesus and being obedient and being faithful. And even when you don't know where it's going to lead to do the next right thing, give it a year and see what he does in your life. Or maybe you're here today and you know that there's somebody in your life that's really struggling. And they've got one of those things and they need encouragement. Do not lay your head on the pillow tonight before you give that person some encouragement that Jesus wins in him there's victory. We don't have to be a victim to the bad things happening in this world or in our life. Keep moving, don't give in and don't give up. And you can be that voice of Christ to them today. And so I don't know where you land in those things, but I pray that we would not leave here without a plan to put something into practice. To not be a victim, but to live in victory because of what Jesus has done. So I'm gonna pray for me and I pray for you that we'd have the faith to live over fear and to take that step together. So let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Celebrate who you are. Thank you for victory in Jesus, God. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that the one who rose Jesus from the dead is living in us. God, thank you for the call to join with you in this world. Thank you that we get to stand out as salt and light. God, I love what you told us in Matthew 5. You didn't say you will be salt and light or you need to try to be salt and light or get your act together so you can be salt and light. No, you told us we are salt and light because of what you've already done. And when we don't live in reality of that, God, we're not being faithful to who we are. And so God, work in our hearts right now. What's the next right step? Is it to move through the pain is it to really trust you and surrender to you and give it a shot? Is it to encourage somebody, Lord? Give us clarity around that next step and give us faith over fear that we can lean into that and step into it and be faithful and obedient today, knowing that you're gonna use it for your good, for our good and for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' wonderful and holy name and in the power of your Holy Spirit, amen.